the second month in the year, after we go through the month of Tishrei, where we have all the high holy days, <clears throat> the awesome days, and the most uh, joyous days, a month full of holidays, the second month that follows after Tishrei is Cheshvan, and it is the only month in the entire calendar that has absolutely no special days at all. Every month has something. Some months, unfortunately, have only a fast day, like the month of uh, Teves or the month of Av. But even fast days are significant days on a calendar, particularly in view of the fact that in the future, after the coming of Mashiach, the fast days will all be transformed into joyous days, into festivals, into holidays. The only month that has absolutely nothing, no significant day at all, is the month of Cheshvan, following right after Tishrei, which means that we're going from everything to nothing, from one extreme to another. At the same time, we also read the Parsha, the story of Lech Lecha, where Avraham is told to leave his birthplace, his land, and his father's home. and to go to the land that God will show him. There is something, something similar here. There seems to be a theme developing in the month and in the Parsha, because in both cases we're going from one extreme to another. Uh, a radical change, a departure. And the Deb explains it as follows. In the process of making the world divine, which is really the, the only uh, justification for creation, which is that the, uh, that the lowest world, the physical universe, will become a dwelling place, a home, uh, the main home for God, for God's presence, in that process, there are a number of stages, there are a number of, of aspects, as we, as, as we discussed earlier, and that is the perspective of the Creator, the perspective of the creation, and the perspective of the soul. During the holidays, in the month of Tishrei, the emphasis, of course, is on the Creator. The month of Tishrei might be compared to heaven. When we are so wrapped up in mitzvahs, in special events, in times that are so auspicious, where God is so tangible, where God is so immediately available, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Simchas Torah, In all of this, we are, of course, doing the mitzvah, 
we're blowing the shofar, we're fasting, we're sitting in the sukkah, we're shaking the lulav and the esrog, and we're dancing with the Torah. But we are submerged. The soul is submerged in the mitzvahs, in the holiness, and the festivities, in the awesomeness of, of the days of awe, which is as it should be. It reveals the, the humility of the soul, our ability to lose ourselves, to melt into the godliness of the mitzvahs, of the holidays, of the special month. But it does not reveal the godliness of the soul itself. In order for that to happen, we have to go from a month full of holidays to a month that has no holidays. And when we go through a month without holidays, and yet we do our mitzvahs, and we serve God properly, then what is revealed and what is obvious, noticeable, and, and tangible is that there is something godly about the soul itself. It's not just the mission that is divine, but the messenger, the little piece of God that is the soul, the godliness and the divinity of the soul itself becomes visible. Now, if there was even a single holiday in the month of Cheshvan, we still would not know whether the behavior of the, of the godly soul, whether the behavior of a Jew practicing a mitzvah was the result of the soul itself, coming from the godliness of the soul, or was it coming from the effect that the holiday has on the soul? To make it very clear that the, that the soul itself is a godly entity, God gives us a month of Cheshvan in which there can be no confusion, there can be no mistake, because there is no festival, there is no holiday, there is no divine intervention, unusual divine intervention, and yet the soul goes about its mission and serves God daily through all of the mitzvahs that we, that we perform daily. And so what we see there is that the soul on its own steam, by its own merit, drawing on its own godliness, is inspired enough to serve God throughout the entire month. Then come the months following, in which we do have special days, like Hanukkah. But once we've seen the soul go through the month of Cheshvan, when it comes to Hanukkah, and we see the soul now observing the festival, we now realize that it's not the festival that inspires the soul, but perhaps it's the soul that inspires the festival. Is it Hanukkah that makes Jews Jewish, or is it the Jew that makes Hanukkah Jewish? Once we've seen the soul go through Cheshvan, where there is no holiday at all, we are... We are not going to be confused. There will be no doubt when the next holiday comes around 
there will be no doubt that the godly soul stands on its own and has its own godliness independent of the festival. Now, what happens really is that not only do we see the godliness of the soul itself independent of festivals, but that we realize that there is something even greater, something even higher than the festival and the soul into which the soul can tap when there is no festival. In other words, if a Jew could function only in a month where there are holidays, then we would know only of the power, of the inspiring power of the holiday. But there is a godliness and a divinity even greater than the holiday, that which makes the holiday holy. And when the Jew can serve God without a holiday, what he's really doing is tapping into a godliness that is greater than the holiday, and he does this on his own steam by virtue of the godliness of the soul, the little piece of God. Now, what does all that have to do with Avram? If we look at the Torah from the soul's perspective, when God told Avraham, leave your land, your birthplace, and your father's home, our body responds to that and understands it the way a body naturally understands. But our soul hears a completely different message. To the soul, this verse in Torah sounds like God is telling a soul, the soul of Avraham, to leave its desires, its good desires, that's what land means, artsacha. Leave your birthplace means leave behind your natural habits, your natural personality, characteristic traits, and so on. That is your birthplace. And leave behind your father's home, which in Kabbalah and to the soul sounds like leave behind your intelligence, your wisdom. Leave all that behind and come to the land that I will show you. And Hasidus says, the land that I will show you means not only I will show to you something greater or better, it also means come to the land where I can show you off, where I can reveal what you are. I will show you show you to the world, not show the world to you. In other words, God is saying to the soul, leave the will that you have while in heaven. Leave the characteristics that are natural to a soul and leave even the wisdom that you have as a soul in heaven so that I can show the world who you really are. Now, at first glance, this seems to be a radical departure, a radical change, going from one extreme to the other with nothing in between. And in fact, this is how the descent of the soul is described. It goes from the highest perch to the lowest pit. 
It goes from the heaven of heavens into a physical body with all of the restrictions and all the weaknesses that that, that, that brings. And yet it's only in this way that the soul's true nature, the soul's true greatness, can be revealed. Because if the soul retains any of its characteristics, if the soul retains its wisdom, if the soul retains its habits and its desires, then the essence of the soul will never be revealed. It will be always covered by these spiritual uh, characteristics, the spiritual talents, the spiritual gifts that a soul has. But what is the essence of the soul? The essence of a soul is not its spiritual abilities or gifts. It is the fact that it contains a piece of God himself. And that's why Avram's name is changed. It goes from being Avram, which means great wisdom, to Avraham, father of many nations. The soul has great wisdom. It's one of the characteristics of a godly soul. It has great wisdom. But God wants the soul to go from great wisdom to father of many nations. Father of many nations means to affect the entire world, to affect nations in the plural, a world that is divided, a world that has many dimensions and many uh, varying uh, sides to it. And Avram is to affect all of them, to be a father, a guide to all of them. And so Avraham begins to bring God to the world, to tell, God, to tell the world about God, to make the world know about God. And he is not picky. He is not selective. He is not discriminating. He teaches everyone equally. Even though the people in his time were all idolaters, they worshipped everything they could see, he taught them. He taught them about God and made God part of this world. And it's interesting that in the simple meaning of the instruction that God gave Avraham, God said, leave all of that and come to the land I will show you. He didn't tell him which land it was going to be. In other words, Avraham didn't even know where he was going when he left his birthplace, his father's home, and so on. And that's because the progress, the, the giant step necessary had to be from one extreme to another, from the divine wisdom that a godly soul naturally has to not knowing anything at all, not even knowing where he was going and doing so only because that's God's plan, that's the divine purpose. And so what it tells us on a very practical level is that just as the soul goes through this grand departure where it abandons its heavenly home, its heavenly condition, and even its heavenly nature. 
and goes to the place that God needs or God wants and there reveals godliness. And one might think that this is a great sacrifice and a great loss to the soul. And the Torah tells us, on the contrary, this is the only way that what you really are will be visible, will become revealed to the world. And if you don't do this, then all those gifts you have will conceal your true strength, your, your, your true essence, which is much greater than the gifts. The same is true also physically. Our history has been one in which we settle into a land, we establish good customs, good institutions, holy institutions, we build synagogues, we build schools, mikvahs, and then something happens and we are told to pack up and move again. The wandering Jew. And then the Rebbe comes along and says, you might be living comfortably in a Jewish community where your family is, your extended family, where all the institutions of education in which you were raised and educated exist. But now it's time to leave. Go away. Go to a place where there are no institutions. Go to a place where there are no schools, where there are no shuls, where there are no mikvahs, and start to have an impact, have an effect on that place. Build there and create there a divine presence. And again, one might think that this is a great sacrifice. This is giving up a lot. This is asking for Messiris Nefesh. But from the story of Avraham we see it's not losing who you are, it's not sacrificing who you are, it's the opportunity to tap into who you truly are, to the godliness that is there, not only the Creator, not only the mitzvah or the institution that nurtures and educates the soul, but the soul itself. So when the soul leaves the environment, leaves the, um, the holiday season, leaves the protective condition of the ark, as with Noah, and goes out into the world, he's really coming into his own. He is bringing the godly soul into its own by being forced to tap into the reservoir of godliness that exists in the soul itself. Because when you're without the holiday and when you're without the environment, without the support, without the backup, you're there on your own. And it's up to you to tap into the resources of your own nishama and bring out the godliness, the devotion, the oneness that the soul feels with its creator. And from the resources of the soul, you build a community, you build the institutions, you inspire the people around you. That brings to the, to, to the, to the surface and makes visible and knowable the true nature of the godly soul and the oneness of that soul with God himself. 
And that's the difference between the story of Avraham and the story of Noah. Noah brought out and revealed the potential godliness in the, in the creation. The physical universe can be godly. The physical universe must become a home for God. You cannot float through the world. You can't insulate or isolate yourself in the ark. You've got to affect the world and raise it up to God. In the story of Avraham, in the story of Lech Lecha, here we're talking about bringing out, revealing and showing not only the potential godliness of creation, but the essential godliness of the godly soul whose mission it is to bring together creator and creation. In everything, there is the concrete, the fact, and there is the abstract. The fact is what we perceive with our senses. The abstract, the fact that a human being can think abstract thoughts, unlike the animal, doesn't mean that we can daydream senseless, meaningful, wistful, uh, unreal uh, thoughts. The abstract means that instead of looking at what is and seeing how it is, we can actually picture what should be and how it should be. In other words, everything exists in reality in, our, in the world of our senses only because there was some reason, some rule, some mathematical equation that demanded that this thing ought to exist. The blueprint. The blueprint that exists before there's a building. And the blueprint tells you what the building is going to be before there's a building. That's the abstract. The blueprint itself also has an abstract. Before there's a blueprint, there is the artist's, uh, what is it called? The artist's view, the artist's conception of what the building needs to look like. And before there is the artist's conception, there is the builder's desire what is it you want to build? What kind of a building? And that depends not on the architect, not on the blueprint, and not even on the artist. It depends on your nature. Are you an expansive kind of person? You want wide open spaces? Are you an economical kind of person, a pragmatic kind of person where you want to put every space to fullest use? That's what's going to determine what the building is going to look like. That's the abstract in other words, how things ought to be rather than how things in fact are. The Torah tells us what the abstract is. The Torah tells us how things ought to be from God's perspective, from the earth's perspective, and from the soul's perspective. Not what is, but why it is and why it it needs to be that way. And that is far more inspiring than simply observing, analyzing, testing, and, uh, and experimenting 
with what is already. And so when we study the Torah, we're looking for the abstract. We're looking for the theme. We're looking for the, the force that makes things what they are. Why is the world the way it is? Why are we going through what we're going through? Not trying to justify it, trying to find the motivation. Why is the Jew a wandering Jew? Not a question of justice. Do we deserve this? Do we deserve better? But what is it? What is the theme? What is the scheme here behind all this wandering? The scheme is, if we stay at home in the temple that Solomon built, if we live in an environment that is purely Jewish, purely holy, purely godly, as a result of God's doing, then the soul never comes into its own. And part of the divine plan is that the soul, tapping into its true essence, is revealed to the world because this is one of the ways that God makes himself known. And in order for the world to be a divine home, in a home you have to be known. You have to be able to show yourself without a role, without a uniform, just yourself as you really are. And God needs to show himself that way, and the soul needs to show itself that way, because the soul is a piece of God. And that is the message of Lech Lecha. It's not enough to have the trappings, to have the gifts of, of godliness. You have to get to the essence of godliness. And to get to the essence, you have to make this radical change, this radical departure from a month full of holidays to a month with none at all, from a soul in heaven with gifts that are divine to a soul on earth far from those gifts. But the essence that essential divine connection, the part of the soul that is a piece of God, one with God, that has to come to the surface. And that happens when we leave the protective environments of the yeshiva and go out and turn the rest of the world into what God wants it to be. The rest of the Jewish community, the Jewish people, and all human beings. Shalom Aleichem. How are you? You know, I do a lot of talking, a lot of Zooming, many classes, many subjects, but that's all formal stuff. Hopefully good stuff, but formal. We also have a Wednesday night meeting that's more informal and kind of um, Hamish. If you want to join us for that kind of an event, um, interactive, time for questions and so on. If you want to join us for this side of conversation, click on the link below and join us every Wednesday night at nine o'clock. Well, maybe not every Wednesday night, but we try to make it every Wednesday night at nine o'clock a more informal chat, which uh, 
can be more enjoyable at times than the formal stuff. So check it out. Click on the link and join us. Try it, you'll like it.